Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be chilling today. Uh, yeah, Luke chapter 1. So, because next Sunday is our Christmas service, so basically next Sunday is the last um, City Hill service this year, because the Sunday after that's the 25th December, and I ain't getting out of bed that day, so I don't think anyone is. So um, we're not having um, a service on the 25th of December. And then the week after that, guess what day it is? It's the 1st of Jan. We're not having a service that week either because what is the point? It makes zero sense um, because even if I made it here, I'm pretty sure I'd be the only one for both of those dates. No one's coming on the 25th and no one's coming on the 1st when you've just stayed up all night, seen the midnight in and then celebrated the new year. No one's getting up for church. And so I don't want to sit here on my own and talk to myself. As much as I am schizophrenic, and it probably do me good, I'm not going to do it. Um, we have a Connect card. If you're, if you're here for the first time, if you want to grab one, we're so glad you're here. One of these, you fill one of these out, we've got a gift for you. We'd love to give you. But look at that. Wait, wait, wait. There she is, like, hey. Yeah, Christina's on it, like, shh. Um, so that would be really, really awesome. A couple things, um, just as because the, the, squad, the squad is here today. From Sunday on the 8th of January, we, whether it's, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. No matter what happens, we're gonna do it. We're launching our kids ministry at City Hill. It's gonna be pretty awesome. We've got four of these bad boys, um, Kindle Fires, which, we've, which people have given to. So thank you so much to everyone who's given to the, the launch because um, it's made that possible. There's a few other things we're looking at. So come, come January next year, what we're gonna have is we're gonna have games that connect with the talks in the series. So the series we'll be starting January with, hashtag spoiler alert, is gonna be called Altars. So we're gonna be looking at the altars in the Old Testament. They're these spots that people use to remember something that caused significant life change in their lives and actually change the destiny of nations. So we're going to be looking at those in, as a church and then what the kids are going to be doing, they're going to be doing altars as well. So they're going to have like a five minute talk which is going to be straight to the point, like really easy to remember, really like no waffle, no anything else, just straight to the point. And then they'll do like a 10 minute exercise on um, the Kindle fires. So for that week, it'll probably be something like Minecraft. So on Minecraft, they'll be building their own altars. So that's gonna be so much fun. So for 10 minutes, they're gonna build their own altars. And then when those 10 minutes are up, then they're gonna have like making it out of like, not clay, but something like that that's not messy. So they'll have 10 minutes digital, 10 minutes like doing something that's fun and something five minute kind of really remembering and really clear. And they're gonna be doing that for those four weeks. So January is gonna be an awesome, awesome time in the life of our church. If you... Yeah, oh, sorry, hand raised. Yeah, man, I forgot. We're in school. Go for it. <laughs> Can I go to the children room? <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds significantly better than what we put on for the adults. Um, you can if you want to. Yeah, yeah, you can. We have a volunteer, everybody. You witnessed it. It's staying on the recording. Uh, it's one of those ones where it's like, ah, uh, just scored an own goal. what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know this man. You never come judge again. I come now and I stay with this accent. Yeah, I love it. So, um, so that's what we're going to be doing. So next year is going to be awesome. There's still a few other things we're looking to do. There's been money raised for two other things. So up here, we have our, our mission statement, lighting up our world so that people far from God can find life in Christ. And we also have now three more that are going to go alongside that. 
which are going to be our values, which are all about um, shining bright, um, because we're called City Hill. City on the Hill cannot be hidden. Brap, brap. Shouldn't have said that. Um, inviting. So it's all about invitation, invitation to City Hill, invitation to the party. I don't know why I'm pointing there because they're not even there yet. Um, and invitation into your life. So sharing our lives with people. And then the final value is about giving. So it's about um, not necessarily always like financial giving, but giving of ourselves and also volunteering. Because there's something awesome about volunteering and serving at City Hill. Hey, as you put your hand up, um, is actually you. Your time is a precious gift that only you can give. There's no one else that can give what you can give. Like, you are completely 110% unique, so whenever you volunteer and serve at City Hill, it's a unique thing that we couldn't get anywhere else in the world, and we just see that as a really valuable and precious thing, and so we're really grateful to that. So that's what's all happening next year. We're launching with kind of like uniforms for the welcome team. Um, if we, if we hit those targets. So that's what we're gonna be doing. It's gonna be so much fun. So January the 8th, we should be coming to a new look City Hill. And if we're not, it's because I've screwed up. <laughs> so um, I'll take the hit. So today we're looking at Luke chapter one. And this Sunday is literally all about leaping. So we're kind of gonna flow through the passage and see what happens. So um, Luke chapter one, verses one to 23 is a leap of lottery, the divine improbability called lottery. So we'll have a look at that. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as from the beginning those who are eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. So the first introduction that um, Luke is giving here is Luke has written two books in the Bible. He's written this gospel, and he's also written um, the book of Acts. And when you put the two of them together, they're both addressed to a guy called um, Theophilus, who actually, most likely, because the gospel follows the account of Jesus, then it leads on from there, the book of Acts, Jesus ascended, and it leads up to one moment, which is Paul's conversion, and then follows Paul's ministry for the rest of the way. So it's almost like um, some have suggested that Theophilus is like their solicitor, their lawyer, um, Paul is on trial for, um, by the Romans for this new kind of cult and uprising that they wish to squash, which is challenging Caesar as Lord and his deity and his God, and is suggesting that Jesus is Lord. They would say Caesar is Lord. The Christians were saying Jesus is Lord. Because of that, Paul finds himself on trial. And so these two documents are kind of like um, possibly legal documents in Paul's case. So which is why Luke talks about an orderly account so you can have certainty, so that in the presentation you've got this clear picture of exactly how things were. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of, I'm not even going to try and say that, he and his wife, he had a wife from, a, from daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth 
will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will now be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things have taken place, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people are waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. What I love about this first part of the story, because there's a lot more for us to read, is that with John, with Zechariah, What happens looks completely random. And what I mean by random is they drew a lot before he went in. Now, out of his division and and out of the priests, you would be given one one time in your life where you would get to go in and perform the duty that Zechariah does. One time in your life. So he's advanced in years, so he's saying he can't have kids, so he's an old guy. So all his life, he's been in this role, in this function within the priesthood. He's gone his whole life, and not once has he ever drawn the right straw to get access. And the time he draws the right straw is at this time when there's an angel kind of like waiting, tapping his foot behind the altar for incense. And he's about to perform his duty. And then he's troubled and it says um, fear fell upon him, which is the literal kind of Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek term that translates as man got shook. And um, he's, he is afraid and he is, he is like, he's absolutely petrified. The angel tells him not to be afraid, tells him how's it's going, how it's going to be. Now he's got an angel, he's picked out the, the winning lottery numbers, he's got to do one of the most sacred tasks he could do. There is an angel in there, which by the way, all the other mandem he's chatted to that have been inside haven't had this experience. This is quite unique. And straight away his thing is like, well, how's that going to happen? Because like, I'm, an, I'm an old guy. So then he kind of like backs away and pulls away from this thing, is a bit worried. The angel goes, listen, you're going to be mute from now on, and then you're going to see... Um, how things are going to be and you're going to be able to speak when it happens and um, the thing that really impacts me from this is like the leap of lottery that so often in our lives you may think it's random but God has just called out your destiny so so often the things that happen to us like oh, oh I've finally pulled this straw and I'm finally going to do this and this opportunity has come you may think it's random and you may think that your steps aren't ordered But even in the realm of lottery, God is completely sovereign. And so his entire life, to the point of being an old man, this has never happened. And his one day that he's allowed to go in there is the day when the angel of the Lord is there at the appointed time to speak to his life and to tell him who his son's going to be and name his future and and declare and build something out of it. Sometimes we go through our entire lives with this feeling like we've been forgotten. And actually, 
there's no lottery in this. God's destiny, his divine plan is at work. Zechariah may, Zechariah may have felt like he'd been forgotten and left behind, but in that moment, he wins the lottery ticket, and then he goes in there, and it's more than he could have ever dreamed of. Um, his family is going to have a destiny. The second thing is in the last um, two verses. After these days, his wife conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. That sensitive area of pain that has lingered on in our lives, untouched, God has a time where he's going to heal it and is, it's going to mean more than we ever dreamed it could. She's gone through all these years looking at this one painful moment in her life and it's been left untouched. It's been left untouched, way at the back, always there, this reproach. And now she's hidden away in this kind of sacred space, in this sacred moment, like, oh, he's taken away my reproach. Finally, as an old woman who shouldn't be able to have a child, finally, he's taking away my reproach. Finally, he's touching the deepest, darkest area of my life. And this is another leap. This is a leap into the arms of God. And sometimes we may want that to happen on our time scale and our timing, but actually, you may feel forgotten. You're not forgotten. She's an old lady. Everyone in this room is actually fairly young in comparison, even myself. We're all young compared to her. And yet she has this moment and it's gonna mean more to her than she ever could have imagined, just like her husband. So, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from the Lord to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. Literal bars for days. Um, Emmanuel, God is with us. Boom. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour of God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And he answered her, Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's just so cool, like the mirror difference between these two passages. I would say it also says something quite profound. So within their culture, within their context, um, there were significant differences between men and women. And what I love is a guy who should have been about that faith and about that life on road, um, being Zachariah, being in the temple, being a priest, going into the holiest place there is. He didn't believe it. Mary gets offered... um, an even more astronomical concept and idea of, yeah, you're gonna have the kid and sex is not gonna be involved. Um, oh, and by the way, this kid, like Zachariah was told, the kid's gonna mean a lot in the eyes of the Lord. She's told, pretty much gonna be divine, pretty much gonna be completely God's kid, um, and he's gonna bring in the kingdom, and this kingdom's never gonna have any end. She gets this like overwhelming thing. She gets a picture of like Isaiah 7, 
where behold a virgin will be with child um, and that's kind of like just dropped on her there and then it's like boom <coughs> mic drop kind of angel statement and then Mary um, is like oh let it be exactly as you say let it be exactly as you say and we miss the concept like she's betrothed to someone so she's promised she's engaged she hasn't slept with them within their culture doing that can get you daily duppied and um, that can be that can be the end of you um, like it's a really big deal um, you could be disgraced you could be an outcast um, if that doesn't happen and you can be on the fringes of society and not really accepted and so the costs for her aren't like they are for Zachariah so he didn't really have any cost to believe she has she's going to look like the town I'm not going to say the word kids present but that's what she's going to look like she's going to look like oh okay we didn't know you dropped it low in hip hop videos but okay Mary cool that's what it's going to look like you know what I mean that's what it's going to look like so she says oh let it be exactly as you say and the angel departs her um, the roadmap to out for anything of real significance is often laboured with inconvenience and the question for you and for me is will we, be, will we be involved so when God says this is what I'm going to do for you this is what I'm going to do in your life are you going to be involved in it are you going to commit to what it is God's going to do for you because I believe no matter who you are no matter where you've come from no matter what you've done no matter how you perceive things I believe God has a good plan for you and I believe there are times when it's going to be a huge inconvenience. I believe it's going to be times where you're going to have neighbours and people in your life. When I say neighbours, I don't mean live next door. I mean who is your neighbour is in, the person in front of you that God presents. There's going to be a huge inconvenience to you but actually you're going to have an encounter like Mary um, that is going to be so holy. So on the one hand we have Zachariah who should be about that life and he's not about it. Then you have little old Mary um, this, this little young teenage kind of girl who's going to go through the whole teen mum thing. Um, super sweet 16. What's the super sweet 16 equivalent when they're pregnant or whatever? Teen mum. She's going to be on teen mum for the whole nation. And she's going to be going around going, no, 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 no. I met an angel and the Holy Spirit did this. Yeah, good one, Mary. Bars for days. Like, you know what I mean? Her life is over and she's like, let it be because it's you. It's you and you're going to do something with this. And I think sometimes we don't fully embrace the goodness of God in our situation regardless of what's going on, regardless of the mess and the chaos. We don't embrace it because um, when we see inconvenience, we don't want to be involved. And I hear so many guys saying things like, I've heard people doing things for God that they were called to do and they deaded it because they were like, oh man, I was doing it and God called me to do it. But you know what? Um, um, it, was, it, was, it was really hard and like it was really painful and then I realized like if God is with me in this then it should be easy and I'm just like <laughs> slap yourself you, you, you wet fish like what is wrong with you like did you not read any of this like what did you think was easy about Mary's story like oh my gosh like yeah there's loads of Catholics running around saying prayers to her now and having pictures of her everywhere on their islands and on their in their country and on the walls everywhere and she's like celebrity like dunno bigger than Biebs like she's huge she's a big deal like but at this time she'd just been cussed out the whole way she'd have been cussed out and she just stayed true to what God had and she embraced it knowing she'd be cussed out um, and sometimes when God calls us to do stuff we just gotta we just gotta get involved we gotta reach so Luke um, 1, 39 to 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to, to a town in Judea, in Judah. Um, when she entered the house of Zechariah, greeted Elizabeth, 
When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped with joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Um, what I love about that, that's all about God's spirit and God's spirit causing us to leap. And actually sometimes in the midst of situations which are uncomfortable, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Like I've been bare gassed about so many things. I've been so gassed about this church, even in the times where I've just wanted to tap out and quit. Like, and I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore. And then God's spirit just makes something leap inside me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on this thing. Cool, let's do this. Let's go. Come me bang. You know what I mean? It's like, when God calls you to do something, it doesn't mean things are always going to be plain sailing and easy for you, but actually you've got to be sensitive when the Spirit of God leaps. And like, oh, oh, you're leaping, you're on this. Okay, cool, I'm rolling deep. I'm rolling with you on this one. So Mary has this moment, and she does in the next passage, which we're going to read, she leaps into worship. Um, and Mary, this is Mary's song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all the generations will be blessed will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done a great thing for me a great thing for me he's just ruined her life like we have to put this in perspective and this is how she's talking about it and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty he has helped his servant israel in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoken to our fathers to abraham and to his offspring forever and mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home now, when the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, she bore a son and her neighbours and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he should be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives are called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted them to be called. And they, he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosened and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbours and all the things um, were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. And then his father Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has risen up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet to the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. What I love about that is how his dad just leaps into the prophetic and he ties in so many images that are used throughout all the Old Testament scriptures that are kind of reaching and pulling them all in and all that we're hearing we're like oh so this is who his son's going to be and what I love even more than that isn't just leaping into the prophetic because on the one hand he's spoken all this stuff but actually um, the final point for today is to leap into your identity in Luke 1 verse 80 and the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness into the day of his public appearance to Israel He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. In the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Like John clearly knew from young who he was and lived it. What do you know of your identity and are you embracing it? One of the things I've been learning this year is I hear a lot of people that have said over the years, like, oh man, just just be true to yourself. Like, that's a great line. But do you know who you are? Because <laughs> if you don't know who you are, how are you going to be true to who you're supposed to be? And if you just flow in the moment of being true to yourself at any given moment, if you're a douche, do you really want to be true to being a douche? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how does, that, how does that really work? Like, who your identity is, who God is calling you to be, knowing who that is and being true to it is so, so key. John knew his identity. Like, They'd rejoiced in it. His dad had prophesied it. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And so he lived in the wilderness until it was time to become public. So this whole in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, it wasn't an image thing for John. He wasn't Lady Gaga. He didn't put meat on his head in the concert and then walk around dressed in normal clothes the rest of the week. John was in the wilderness for days, for years living that life it was who he was and I think the thing that I felt that God wanted us to be about is looking at who we are and as we've been discovering our identity as a church over these years and finding out one what our mission is two what our values are and who we're supposed to be and how we live those out and how our unique fingerprint as a church I believe God wants that for all of us on a unique level for our lives knowing what our mission is, knowing what God has for us, and then being about that life and displaying those sorts of values. I believe that, that today God is calling you and I to do these seven things, to take a leap of the lottery, that the divine is the one calling the shots. Even the things you think are random, he is there working behind. That we're to leap into his arms, that the biggest, deepest, darkest hurts and pains and failures in our lives, he's going to use for his glory. To leap into the inconvenience, Because so often we shy away from inconvenience, whereas actually the greatest stories of God's provision and his goodness and his might being displayed in his glory have been in the inconvenience of other people's lives. We've got to leap into the spirit of God because when things get tough and things get awkward, it's his spirit that keeps us going. And actually sometimes we've got to leap into worship because when things are really messed up, sometimes the only thing that gets you out is a song. Oh man, I've had those days where I just can't get a prayer out and I'm broken and I've had to sing something with my 
duff, dead voice. And God has just met with me in that moment and re-energized me. And then finally, we've got to leap into the prophetic because it's in the prophetic we know what our identity is. God doesn't call you to be who you are today. He calls you into your future. He pulls you out from where you are to where you're going. God never looks at you and says, oh great, you're exactly as you are. Brilliant, that's it. There's no example in the whole of the Bible where God has seen someone and said, great. He looked at Gideon, a shaking tiny man of the smallest tribe and says, mighty man of valor, because that's where you're going. And so we've got to get into the prophetic because when we're in the prophetic, we know our identity and then we stay true to our identity rather than the reality of where we are. The reality of your situation is, is real, but Jesus is the truth and the truth is final. Faith doesn't deny reality, faith denies finality. It says this situation I'm in right now is real, but Jesus is truth and that truth is going to conquer that reality and it's going to come through in the end. Like so often we like want to deny reality with faith. Faith doesn't deny reality. If you're sick, you're sick. If you're struggling and you're in pain, you're in hurt, you're in sin and you're in torment and you're depressed, that's real. But actually we're going to come to that real with truth. Jesus reigns and he's going to have the final say in my depression, in my heartache, in my, di- in my divorce, in my breakup, in my workplace, in, in, my, in my children's lives, in my family, in, in, my, in my singleness, in my um, hurt, in my past, in my sin, in every area, he's going to have the final word. And so in this passage, we see this romantic, beautiful Christmas story starting to develop as we celebrate every year. But it's everything but. It's a hot mess. And yet they're praising and they're prophesying and they're leaping for joy in a hot mess. God wants you and I to leap for joy in the hot mess that is our lives because he's going to work something beautiful out of it. I'm going to pray for us and that'll be it for today. Father, I thank you for your greatness. I thank you for your goodness that you've displayed. in this narrative, in this story, that actually even when you were putting a plan together to prepare the way for your son, there was all sorts of problems and challenges. May we be like Mary and not Zachariah. May we believe you and may we trust you. I thank you, Father, that even those that didn't trust you and Zachariah didn't believe you, it still came to pass. And he got to be a part of that glory and he jumped in with that prophecy, laying down the identity and the foundation for his, his, his son. I thank you, Father, for Mary, who totally was on it and believed it and went with it. Father, may we be people that whether we are at the moment struggling with unbelief for our own personal destiny and future that you've called us to, or whether we're fully embracing it, may we be with you. And thank you, Father, that regardless which camp we're in, the end result is the same. You're going to get your glory and you're going to work your way through it. Father, help us to leap into the call that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen.